The Holy Gospel, according to St. John from the 15th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the 15th chapter, found on page 1676 in the Pew Bible, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, as we follow him in Scripture, Jesus loves to use word pictures to help his people understand his teachings. For example, he speaks of his church as the bride and himself as the groom. He also speaks of his church as his body and he speaks of himself as the head. And last week, we heard him teach that he is the good shepherd, the excellent shepherd. And we are the sheep of his flock. We are the sheep for whom this noble, excellent shepherd lays down his life and takes it up again. Now today, we hear from botany Jesus, vineyard Jesus, if you will. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Jesus tells us that it is good for us to abide in him, just as it is good for the branch to abide in the vine. So also, it is good 
for us to abide in Christ. Now, we no longer use the word abide. Really not very often do we say it or hear it. Not certainly as much as maybe it once was used. And we may well ask, somebody may ask, what does it mean to abide? Especially, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, the word abide does not describe an action. Instead, it describes a condition. We have other words that do that, such as stand or stay, or in the NIV version that was read this morning um, that I changed, it said remain. When I say that a statue stands in the hallway, the statue is not really doing anything, right? It's just standing there. In fact, the expression, don't just stand there, really means you're not doing anything. Do something. Amen? All right. Do something depends on the fact that standing is not doing. The word abide is like that. It's not something you do. In reality, it is the way that you are. Now, a fairly simple understanding of plants makes it obvious that no one branch can live without the vine, at least not for very long. The vine is the source of food for the branch. The branch will starve to death without food. The branch must remain, stay in, abide in the vine if it is to survive. Now, a branch cannot attach itself to a vine. Either the vine grows the branch or someone or something must first place us in the vine. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record an excellent example of just how that happens. And we heard it in today's first lesson. You'll remember that God dispatched an angel to Philip, and he told him to journey to a specific place in the desert, and there Philip met an Ethiopian official who was returning home from Jerusalem. And apparently this official was very wealthy. He was loaded. How do I know that? Well, he was reading Scripture. So that meant that he, he had a driver. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. So we can assume that there were ample supplies for the trip. And we read that there was room for Philip to sit down in the chariot with this official. This chariot 
really is a first century like and kind to today's limo. What is more is that this official actually owned a copy of Isaiah. And that's a big deal because at the time, all books were hand-copied. Luke identified this official as the treasurer of the country of Ethiopia. Now, although this man was well-off financially, he was not connected to Christ. We hear that when Philip asked him this, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? He was reading Isaiah, but he did not understand. And those who abide in Christ know that Jesus suffered and died on the cross to save them from sin. And they will recognize the words of Isaiah as words that describe that suffering and that dying. Let's listen to the words. These are the words that lead up to the words that were quoted in today's reading. Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Then come the words that we heard in today's reading. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet we opened up not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth, Isaiah 53, 7. And Isaiah then goes on to say he bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. transgressors. This is all part of of the great suffering servant prophecy of Isaiah that begins in Isaiah 52.13 and carries on through Isaiah 53. And this is the greatest poetic description of Jesus on the cross in the Bible, and it was written 700 years before Christ was born. The one who abides in Christ abides in his words and knows that the entire Bible is about Jesus. Philip knew that the Bible is about Jesus, so Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And although it takes only a few minutes to describe what Philip did, we should not think 
that his instruction of the official was equally as short. He, he had to tell him that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He had to tell him and explain Jesus' sermon on the mount. He had to teach him about the events of Holy Week. He especially had to teach how Jesus suffered and died and took away the sins of the world and then rose from the dead. He had to teach how the Holy Spirit gives the faith that receives the forgiveness of sins that Jesus earned on the cross. And he had to teach all these things and more. Now, the Bible does not tell us how long Philip taught, but it would not be unreasonable to think that Philip taught for the rest of the day and perhaps into the next day. We should not think that it was a few quick sound bites and that the teaching was finished. And some here think I go long. It's okay, you can laugh. <laughs> we know that the teaching was quite extensive because the official knew about baptism. And for as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So the official desired blessings that the Holy Spirit delivers in baptism, and Philip baptized him. The Holy Spirit has now connected this official to Christ as a branch that is connected to the vine. It is, as Martin Luther said, whoever is baptized in Christ is baptized through his suffering and blood. Or to state it more clearly, through baptism, he is bathed in the blood of Christ and is cleansed from his sins. Jesus compared himself to the vine and us to the branches. We must remain in, stay in, abide in Jesus if we are to survive. Separation from Jesus means starvation for us. Now, nature provides an example of this separation that happens every autumn. Not so much here in Southern California, but elsewhere during the spring and the summer, the green plants are full of chlorophyll, and we know that chlorophyll is very green, and it gives plants the green color that they have during the spring and summer. We know that chlorophyll also helps plants use sunshine to make food and to stay alive. And when the weather cools down in the autumn time, some tree leaves grow a separation layer. The separation layer stops the flow of nutrition into the leaves. The green chlorophyll goes away, and all the other colors of the leaves start to show up. And these colors have always been there. 
you just can't see them because of the powerful green of the chlorophyll. The beautiful colors of the trees in the autumn tells us that the chlorophyll is gone from the leaves. It also tells us that the leaves are dead and that soon they will fall from the tree and the branches of the tree will look very, very bare. The fall colors are a bittersweet beauty. The colors can be amazing, so I'm told. But they are a reminder of death, the death of leaves that have separated themselves from the tree. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's 1 John, or excuse me, John 15, 1 through 2. With these words, Jesus teaches us the sad truth that the church also has those people who grow a separation layer. The separation layer cuts them off from Jesus. This means that they are cut off from forgiveness and eternal life. They may be beautiful like the autumn leaves, but they are spiritually dead. And eventually, the Father will take them away. And Jesus contrasted those who abide in him with those who do not. He said this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, and they are thrown in the fire and burned. This is a very terrifying prospect to be dried, gathered, and thrown into the fire of hell because we do not abide in Christ. This makes it very clear that there is no salvation except in Christ. He is the only way. So we have learned that it is essential for us to remain in, to stay in, or abide in Jesus. And this is all well and good for the people back then, the people in this story we just heard. They could touch Jesus. They could talk with him. They could eat with him. In general, they could just hang out with Jesus. But how did they abide when Jesus ascended into heaven? Indeed, how are we to do that today since we can no longer have his visible presence? How do we abide in Jesus? Well, Jesus gave us the answer to that question. He said, if If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, John 15, 7. And these words teach us that Jesus abides in us when his words abide in us. Again, it is as Martin Luther said, Christ adds this comment here. Just pay attention to my word, for everything depends on whether my word remains in you. So you, we see this, that to abide in Christ is to abide in his word, the very same word that Philip shared with the official from Ethiopia. So we see that the Holy Spirit uses the same word of God 
to connect us to Jesus and to keep us in, abiding in Jesus. And all who abide in Christ's word abide in Christ. They abide in Christ in this life and forever in the next life. In the name of Jesus, amen.